Hey, this is the Bridging Realities podcast with your hosts, Danielle Polgar and Eugenia Crock. Bridging the esoteric and the practical concepts of astrology into everyday life. We're happy you're hanging out with us and we hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bridging Realities here with Danny Polgar and Eugenia Crock. Yes. How's everybody doing? Yep. It's been about two weeks or just a week. I mean, we took last week off. So thank yeah, you to. for the support in letting us, not letting us, but just, um, you know, it just wasn't in the flow. Yeah, understanding. It wasn't in the flow. And last week was a bit crazy um, for a lot of people with this shifting energies and moon cycle and Wow, there's a lot going on right now. We were just talking about that. What a what a bizarre time in history, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. you know. And then we have all of our own personal stuff happening as well. So it's not necessarily bad. It's just that there's a lot. I don't know that that's ever going to really change, but mm-hmm. just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, and you know, I just want to mention one of our conversations we had just personally over the last maybe few days or whatever it might be, but just this really fascinating juxtaposition of grief and hope right now. And, you know, I think it's happening on a, a global, you know, perspective from a global perspective. Of course, I think it's happening in a local perspective. It's, It's certainly happening in personal lives, but this feeling of, of great grief, uh, which is letting go of ideas uh, that the culture led us to believe would happen, uh, that you know, you know, that we'd have this beautiful political system and we'd have this these decent um, uh, people, and you know, someone would always step up and take care. And I think what we're realizing right now, on such an extreme scope is how corrupt power has been and may always be. I don't know. I don't know who, how, or if that will change. I, I would hope so, but we're seeing a, a great grief, a great disappointment with, with the idea that we left our power in other people's hands and what we're seeing now in the Dakotas and what we're seeing in, in a lot of different ways, I, I posted something on Facebook in, uh, in Palestine or Israel of uh, women, you know, coming together to try to unite the division over there. And, and uh, you know, you're seeing this this realization that, you know, the, you know, one of our elected presidents is an asshole and the other one got, you know, leaked all these answers and, oh, God, it's all corrupt. And, and it's sad. But at the same turn it's like the most hopeful time I've ever witnessed in, in my life for, for humanity. I mean, fate, like I, was, I say this maybe in the episode and I've said it to you or whatever, but like my Facebook feed has never been more inspiring in my life. It's disappointing, but it's inspiring. I mean, every single post is about taking the land back and fighting for the land or peacefully protesting for the land or, you know, signing petitions and stop fucking this place up, you know, and that is inspiring. Um, and so I think that being in such a juxtaposition energy, 
being in the void of the unknown, I think we're all experiencing all of that, um, all of it. And it, it, and it's like pregnancy. We've talked about this. I mean, I think there's a certain grief we have when we birth something new, whether it be a human or an idea. And there's an excitement when we birth something new, whether it be a human or an idea. And I think right now it's the void, you know, it's, it's, it's the end and the beginning. And, um, I just, I just wanted to say those things yeah. if I could. I, I, I thank you for saying those things. And I totally resonate. I mean, I've been witnessing the same thing in the global world of, you know, humanity and, and just seeing how we really are holding this, um, these polarities so closely together. They're just so <laughs> both right in our faces. And mm-hmm. I think that really kind of shows where we're at in terms of, a, in terms of a turning point. And totally. interestingly enough, I actually returned to reread, um, this book that you and I read in our consciousness class called up from Eden by Ken Wilber. <gasps> You're rereading that. Yeah. And it's oh, amazing. It's so, it's so good. And it was good when I read it the first time, but now reading it again, I'm like, I, I just have a better grip on what's happening. I'm like, you know what? This huh. is totally fine. Like this is exactly yeah. what needs to happen before yeah. we can start to make that turn. And we're already yeah. turning. There's so like this conversation that you'll hear after our intro, you'll hear about how we're making this return to, um, a more harmonious relationship with the earth. Right. And like how important that is. And I think things need to get bad enough where then it can, everybody can wake up and it's, and we're just all on these different stages of evolution and consciousness. And some of us are just more aware of these changes than others and these potential, um, realities than others. And a lot of people are also resistant to to change. So, you know, we're working with all of these, um, different energies. And I think we're finally seeing everything kind of come together and it is quite the show. I mean, for sure. (laughs) It's like, wow. And I think you're right. I think it brings up like so much grief for the life that, you know, for the mistakes that we've made for, the choices that, that we've made that have harmed the earth. And, oh, how did we, how have we done this? Like, how have we been so blind? How have we been so asleep at the wheel? And now, you know, we're waking up finally. And there is this sense of, I mean, I want to say even forgiveness that we have to like this whole process of forgiving ourselves in order to start to uh, move towards a, a reality that's more integrated. Like we know where we came from. We know what, what we did and what didn't work. And now we can take that awareness and, and create something new and beautiful. And I think that's where the hope really, um, comes from, you know, is like that there is potential, there is a possibility for real true change. Granted, it's probably going to take a lot of time because, you know, it just, I think real change takes time, but, we're part of it right now. So it is on the one hand, a like really insane time to be alive and w- watching all this. But on the other hand, like such an amazing opportunity to witness this. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you can't help, but just, yeah. And you can't help, but just, you know, sit back and, and, and 
and contemplate this, this life. You know, I think I've never had a hard time doing that. (laughs) That's pretty much all I've ever done. But I know that most people in my life, um, you know, they're, they're very fine just watching football and, um, you know, I don't know. And it seems that, you know, even with those people I'm having decent conversations with for the first time ever, because they're now having to contemplate life. And I think contemplation is not a bad thing. Um, I think I I can over contemplate from time to time, but I think that it's making us stop and think about life, you know, not the, the products and not the fucking marketing and not the, the sound noises and the sound waves that are just clogging our senses. It's, it's, it's a true, I got to stop and think about this, you know, on an individual scale and a global scale. And, I just wanted to share something that I have decided to implement into my life. And I, I don't know if other people would find this helpful or maybe inspiring, but I, uh, uh, I recently decided to implement, implement what I call silent Sundays. And it was something I used to do before I even had a smartphone. I would actively try to spend one day a week in silence. Um, some people think that might be silly. That's fine. I don't care. But I did it recently since, since having a smartphone, which is three years now, which is pretty pathetic really. But, you know, outside of, you know, I've been away from phones, but maybe because not by choice, right. Not by, you know, maybe just by circumstance, but anyway, so I, I took a Sunday recently, I turned off my phones, my computers, the whole jam. And I, I felt like I could breathe and I love the internet for so many reasons, you know, especially watching, watching people come together in such a dramatic way right now through the virtual reality to support the indigenous people of this land and, and of the world and to see just the power of the internet, you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio just came out with this movie on national geographic. And every time you hashtag before the flood, a dollar goes to conserving nature, conserving the land. So they, they're going to get hopefully millions of people involved in this and maybe generate hopefully millions of dollars to help protect sacred land and so on and so forth. And so there's so many amazing parts about it, but then you have to remember to be on the land. And I am guilty as anybody, you know, I, I work for myself. My, my work is primarily run through the internet, which I'm very grateful for, but to actively consciously take one day a week to shut it off. It was like, like I literally went outside and I just like touched the earth for a whole day. Like that was it, you know, just watched the, the algorithm and the poetry of God, you know, of nature, of the fluidity, um, and then adapting to that, right. The adaptability to nature, you know, going, going indoors when the clouds came out and going back outside when the clouds moved and, and, and moving with the land. And I think it was a very good practice and I just would encourage people to maybe try it or contemplate it, or maybe you're doing it and I applaud you. Um, but I, I did want to mention that here because in the midst of this incredible, 
I mean, just historic time in human history. I mean, seriously, this is like mind blowing what we're witnessing right now. You know, can we turn it off and just be still with God, with nature? Um, and I think also, especially for the feminine, right, for for women who bleed, and and really we've talked about this over and over again, but us women really need that space to do that, that stillness. And I'm not saying men don't, but I, I encourage women definitely to just be still. Um, I know I need to. So I, I just wanted to mention that as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. Dig right? It. Yeah. It was Shut good. it off. I mean, Shut it's, it off. yeah, it just, it just like anything else. And again, you'll hear more of this in our conversation with Sharice, but, um, just to have that balance, like we are so yeah. inundated with so much information yeah. and, you know, electromagnetic energy that it's like, mm-hmm. there needs to be a time carved out where we can allow ourselves to sit in the stillness, which is what we did last week by taking a week off. And I know that, Mm -hmm. you know, to a certain extent, it's like, oh, we miss you. Or, you know, just even thinking like, oh, I feel like I need to keep up or there needs to be consistency here or whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever anxieties come up and show themselves in the face of you maybe trying to do this in your life, just to be aware of them, but not to allow them to stop you from pursuing inner stillness and peace, because we need that just as much as we need the engagement and, and whatnot, because really, I think cultivating that stillness, like you said, is, is really to be able to be aware of our godlike nature and that connection to the spiritual, the unspoken that is so important for us to be mindful of. Um, in this mm-hmm. very chaotic world that we live in. So thank you so much for bringing that to the table. And I'd love to hear if people are going to do this and see, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I will definitely jump on board with you. And Yeah, like what like, if it became like a a larger community of people doing that? Well, like, what it used would to happen? be, right? Like right. Sabbath All was like a day, you yeah, just yeah. done. Like you didn't, and you know, maybe there is just a, but whatever day it needs to be, it doesn't need to be Sunday. Totally. It doesn't need to be Saturday, but any day, any day, or even if you have the craziest schedule, if you can carve out an hour of time where you can be still and quiet, I mean, it really could be that simple, right? But a whole day would be really a blessing. Well, in our guest, she mentioned, you know, turn off all electronics at least a half hour before bed. That's something I've been trying to do very hard. Yeah. But I've been trying to do that as well. Like, you know, somebody mentioned leaving the cell phone outside of the bedroom when you go to bed, which, you know, I'd have to go back to an old school alarm clock, but I'm down with that because it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. Uh, We, we used to not have electricity recently. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know, and now we have two lives, right? We have our real life and we have our virtual life. And I think, uh, especially when we have a, a larger presence on the internet. Um, thank God I don't have like a super large presence. I would freak out. But, but if we have even a small presence on the internet, that, that human, that side of us, that virtual ego, 
so to speak, or that virtual self is being interacted with anyone at any given time, 24 hours a day, even if we're sleeping, right? So we're, we're constantly maintaining two lives right now. And our, our human brain simply cannot process that. It can't. That is such a massive leap in human consciousness. So how do we how do we work with that? How do we work with the benefits of having two lives and having an extension of ourselves, so to speak, and come back to ourselves and not go through the hysteria and the panic if we're not maintaining our second self, even for a hot second? Oh, my God. Um, Good point. Yeah, I've been thinking about this shit a lot. I, I've just been, I've, I've hit an overwhelm point, Danny, personally, and uh, in my personal life for a variety of reasons. But I think a lot of it for me boils down to the internet, you know, that I am alive 24 hours a day internationally. It's like, how do you handle that without losing your mind a little bit? So, Um, I'm trying to come up with anything to find the ground again. Mm -hmm. And with this Neptune transit that we're all undergoing, Neptune um, and Pisces retrograded, conjuncting the uh, south node of the moon, which will be happening during the election. Um, Like, how do we find the ground, (laughs) you know? How do we find Virgo, the north node, the, uh, the destiny point of the chart? How do we get grounded and... Um, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. I, you know, I went to the hot springs to try to find the ground, although that's not super grounding, but you know, I'm doing anything I can to remember that I'm on this earth right now because you can feel this Piscean energy strongly right now. Um, and it certainly will be during, during the election as well. So as we head into that, um, uh, you know, maybe you listen to this after or before or whatever, but, uh, how do we stay grounded in whatever the result is and not let the internet just like blast our brains with sound bites and visual images that we simply cannot process because we are not evolved enough yet to be able to. So I know I'm kind of talking a lot, but I just feel like this is a really, really important time in human history. And um, I don't know. I just want to be able to offer some, some piece of soundbite that might be helpful for people. So hopefully I have been able to say some nice things. I don't know. Oh yeah. I'm sure you planted a lot of seeds. I I, certainly for me, that whole like being alive 24 (laughs) seven is kind of bizarre, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to that feeling of overwhelm as well. And just, you know, I've noticed like, I guess over the past couple of years, even just how exhausting it is to maintain social media and, and a presence yeah. online. And, um, it just doesn't interest me as much anymore, you know, yeah. I really try so hard and I'm just like, and honestly it's worked to my benefit because I feel like the less I try, the more energy can really flow to me. Mm. So, um, just, you know, learning that kind of lesson also of like creating a container where I can hold space and be ready for something, but that I don't need to, um, just be constantly like putting energy out into the world, like bombarding Mm -hmm. it. Like there's already so much, Oh my God, totally, you know, totally. So, well, yeah. And you know, like, I think when people our age are entrepreneurs and business owners and work for ourselves, you hear, ah, you got to hashtag this and you got to 
fucking post this many times and da, 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 da. and and I and I know that the learning curve of that for me has been very challenging like do I really have to post every day and some days I want to post like 15 things because I'm so inspired by mm-hmm. what I've seen and and then other times I want to take a week off and they say oh you can't do that you have to post so many and it's like again it's kind of like this patriarch right like you have to do it this way totally yes. oh my god it's, it's so annoying bullshit. I hate I hate all these formulas and like this, 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 totally. and you'll get, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've done B school and B school was amazing, but like, honestly, I was like, holy shit, like everybody's doing the same exact thing. They're just <laughs> pumping out the same kind of yep. stuff. And by the time, because I was aware of it, by the time I'd visit people's website, I'd be like, oh, they went to B school. They went to B school. They went to B school. There's a whole right. formula. And I'm like, you know, now when I get to a website and there's a pop-up, I'm like, no, I'm not su- subscribing, even though that's how you capture your leads and blah, 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 right. you know? But I feel right. you because it's like some some days it's like this organic, like I want to share more, but oh, I probably shouldn't. I don't want to overshare. And then it's like, you know, other times I'm like, I don't want to share anything, but oh, I've been like so quiet for like three days. Mm-hmm. I probably should, you know, mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous. And thank God we're talking about this because more people need to wake up to this too, because here's another part of our lives where we're kind of asleep at the wheel is how mm-hmm. technology and our addiction to it is really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole idea, like I do not fucking care how many people like me on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. I don't care. I genuinely do not care. I don't. And yet everything out there is like, you should care. You, you should, should care. care how many people like you. You should care how many times you share and how many people you reach. And it's like, I don't actually want to reach that many people. You know, like I love the podcast and I think it's really cool that we can talk like this and be candid and people listen and, and feel it. And there's a community feeling to it. I really dig that. I dig that it can be people around the world and so on and so forth. I want more and more people to have access to astrology. I get all that. I dig that. But to spend any any part of my life caring if I have followers is is crazy for me. Like I don't actually what like what if I did have ten thousand followers? That that feels like a fucking nightmare. So exhausting. I can only imagine. Oh my god! Can you imagine? Yeah. Like ten thousand you know, watching and following. And I don't know. I just want to look at people's charts, talk to my girlfriend, Danny, you know, talk about cool things with cool people on this podcast and take hikes, um, have great sex, eat nice food and call the day, you know, like it's just, it's, it's, I think that it's, it's happened so fast that I know personally, I didn't even realize just how much this was affecting me. Um, just the brain processing to try to be part of this social media thing and be popular on it. And, and, you know, and I'm grateful I'm very bad at it because I don't, I don't want to be good at it. I just don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's, it's, it is, it's like a breakthrough for me right now. It's a breaking down definitely. And it's a breaking through of like, is this really what I want? Right. And I think that's what a lot of people are going through too with the transits, like this Neptune stuff that's making things really cloudy and just discombobulated and confusing. I think the chance is to really stop and think, wait, is this actually the path I want to take? Like, maybe this isn't working because it's not supposed to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Don't force so. the flow. When, when Neptune's around and you try yeah. to force the flow, yeah, yeah, it's going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. For right. Sure. And I, you know, I just want to share one quick little story, and then you know we can go on to the episode. But there's this. Um, do you do you listen to TED Radio Hour on NPR at all? I I have kind of stopped listening to podcasts and such in, oh, right. since I got to Santa Fe because I'm just kind of like you're Not speaking to exhausted of info. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, and I just had it, um, I randomly, I haven't listened to it a while either, but I, I randomly am listening to it yesterday and the episode was on adaptation. And if you guys want to go listen to it, uh, Ted Radiar, I would imagine it's the most recent episode, but they, they did three stories. One was of a man who had sight lost his sight and how he had to adapt um, to that. Another was of this guy, the sociologist who went and studied what they call white utopia, which are literally places in America that they call themselves white utopia. And they, um, they are actively building walls around their communities and actively keeping out people of race and colors and diversities if they can, or who don't have their same values. They're just like, no, this is, this is the way to live. We can't handle um, the mix of cultures in this country anymore. They're freaking out. And, and he really did a beautiful TED presentation on just the psychology behind this idea and why people want to build these walls. But the story that inspired me the most, and then I will shut up, is there was a a one about an artist and she was uh, doing an art installation. Her art pieces didn't come through and she happened to be in some Asian fishing village and she um, had to make some art installations quickly out of things she could find. She had to adapt to her environment. So she found these fishing nets that the fishermen were using and she created these really beautiful pieces and then that changed her career as an artist. And now she creates these installations that are shaped by nature. Um, and the whole point of her art is to put installations in these communities and these cities and towns where the art adapts to nature. So whether it be a uh, wind, whether it be a snow, hail, a sun, it moves with the weather rather than like say a, a, a firm sculpture. Right. And the whole point of her story, which I thought was so Neptune and Pisces is what we're going through right now is is life is about adaptability, that we can wake up in the morning and have a plan for the day. We can have a plan for our life, but life happens. And how do we adapt when that happens? How do we flow with life when life wants something else to happen, that our ego, our mind, our list, our masculine needs to happen when life won't let that happen. How do we adapt? And I think that right now, I think that episode was very well-timed because right now I think we're all being asked to adapt to a new culture, to a, to new things. And how do we flow with nature and with the wind and let go of what we thought the day was going to be and just flow with it. Right. And that's, the bell that's saved by the bell. <laughs> You're done. Right? That's it. Exactly. No, I totally Somebody feel you. Told. Thank you for speaking to that. And it always reminds me of what my mom reminds me. Um, margisms as I call them sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, life is 90%, I'm sorry, 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it. Right. Absolutely. So like 
it is all about adaptation. And yeah. that is the whole name of the game while we're here on planet Earth. So on that note, we yes. hope you enjoy our episode. Thank you for listening to our ramble sesh. Um, and we hope you enjoy having our lovely Sharice um, chat about Ayurveda. Lovely. Lovely. lovely young lady. And, yes. And um, we look forward to reconnecting and reconvening on the other side of this very exciting election. <laughs> yeah. Exciting? Is that the right word? Um, whatever it is. Terrifying? But no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Positive. Boy, po- no matter what the outcome the it's all fine. Both and. Both and. Terrifying yeah. and exciting. Yes, both and. So. We have a special guest today. Sharice Banks is here to talk with us about Ayurveda and yoga therapy. So welcome to the show, Sharice. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Great. We're excited to have you. Um, yeah. Why, hey. don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and uh, what it is that you do in the world and where people can find you online and all the the good details. Wonderful. Um, I am from San Francisco. I was actually born at home um, to two yogi hippie types. Um, So uh, yoga was in my blood from the beginning. So I definitely started out with that at an early age and was practicing sun salutations with my dad, maybe when I was four years old and on. Um, So I just have great memories of that. And um, I've always been a performer too. My parents are also performers and musicians. And so kind of yoga and, and acting and singing and dancing is all, it's been in my blood. So, um, I currently have a website, Cherise.com, C-H-E-R-I-S-E.com. And it kind of touches on the different things that I do. And, um, I've been doing a lot of yoga and Ayurveda lately. I have my Ayurvedic yoga therapy license. And so I do consultations with people just to help them figure out their dosha type and different things that they can do to help bring themselves back into balance. So I have a lot of fun with that. Awesome. Awesome. You know, it's, I think that, uh, the Ayurveda and Western astrology is kind of an interesting juxtaposition, but I think a bridge to be built between the two is very valuable in the modern culture. I know that, um, I'm, and I don't know nearly enough about Ayurveda, hence why you're on our, our show today. <laughs> but um, I, know, I, I believe a lot of it is rooted within the Vedic uh, Eastern astrology modalities. Is that right? Or are they completely separate from one another? Are you familiar with that? Yes, I am. I actually, um, that's a whole separate modality, but it is part of Ayurveda. And so that is something that I recommend to some of my clients, you know, to get their Western chart, but also their Eastern chart, because there's, there's a whole another realm with that, which I'm sure you guys are aware of. Do you guys touch into that at all? I pay attention to it here and there. Um, I, I like to blend other systems of knowing um, with what it is that I do, you know, with astrology, just to see how there's different patterns and how things play out. And there does seem to be a correlation between the doshas and even, you know, the, the 12 zodiac signs and even the planets in terms of rulership. So we can talk a little bit about that. But um, yeah, I think that my understanding of it is that there is kind of this 
the medical approach or the holistic healing approach from Ayurveda brings in astrology um, very much and way more than our, of course, medical model in the Western world does. And this is something I'm really curious and finally exploring. Um, it's been an interest of mine for a little while, but now I actually have the resources available to kind of dive into this a little bit more to see how, you know, when using the natal chart, Western or otherwise, um, we can gain insight and information about somebody's health and, you know, their kind of uh, pattern or their own health constellations. So I think that's really cool that you're familiar with this. And, you know, if you could just tell us a little bit about how that works, like what does a, your work with a client typically look like and how do you bring in yoga with that piece as well? Yes, absolutely. When someone comes in, I um, determine their dosha based off of several questions that I ask them, but I also check their pulse and I look at their tongue and, um, you know, we have a conversation and, you know, dosha is based on a body mind concept. So there's different principles there. Um, so working with someone, I can kind of pick up their energy as well. I, I also do readings of people's energy. So that helps with my Ayurveda work as well. Um, but yeah, what happens is I determine their dosha type, uh, based off of the information they give me and what I see. And we work with any kind of imbalances. And a lot of times people think maybe that their dosha type is what their imbalance is. And so that's what I like to get to the bottom of, you know, your dosha type is something that sticks with you your entire life. So your dosha type is never going to change. And you actually always have all three doshas present within the body um, and the mind. But it's a matter of which one is more dominant, which one is your pakriti. So we, we determine that. And then I deal with what the imbalance is. And a lot of times in Los Angeles, I see a lot of vata imbalances. That's the air kind of um, kind of being people staying up late, people having anxiety, people having sleep issues. And so I, I like to deal with what the imbalance is right away. So I hope that answers the question a little bit. What are some characteristics of the different doshas based on physicality for people listening? You know, for example, I'm, I'm tall, brunette, maybe broad. I don't know if that would be a good description, Danny, but you know, what, what are some like physical, cause I've, I've heard that that'll show up in how you actually look as well. Absolutely. Um, some physical right off the bat, if I see somebody and they're, they're rather thin, um, I usually associate Vata with that because Vata types, it's harder for them to keep weight on. So they actually have the issue of you know, if they don't eat enough, they're going to start losing weight. It's, um, so that's something I can notice right away. Pitta types, they can work out for two weeks and they have like the biggest muscles ever. Like they're super muscular. They're usually more of like a medium build type person. Um, a kapha type, it has the issue of having, not being able to take the weight off very easily. So those are things that can kind of show up just superficially right away, but there's a lot more that goes into detail. Like kapha types usually have like big, like beautiful eyes and very thick and full hair. Pitta types, which is the fire will have sometimes freckles. Um, you know, like I said, muscles, um, uh, they might have red hair. They might have premature gray hair. Um, Vata types, can tend to be taller or shorter. It just, it just, it depends. So there's, there's a lot of things that go into it. It's very interesting. 
Yeah, and maybe for our listeners, too, I'll just kind of um, explain my understanding of the three doshas with how they correspond to different astrological signs. So this could give us insight, too, in terms of the ascendant, which is how people usually perceive you or how you look um, to others. So, you know, thinking about your own chart, listeners, um, and seeing how this might relate to how you look, you know, physically. Um, but I, you know, as Cherie said, I think that there is kind of like a, we kind of carry all of these pieces, all, all of the doshas with us, um, but it's just which ones are prominent. So, so Vata um, is, represents the air, if I'm, like you said, you said that. Um, so the air signs, um, but also has to do with Mercury, if I remember correctly. So it's um, Gemini, Virgo, they tend to have that Vata energy of like, you know, being overly anxious or thinking about things a lot. Um, and then also Aquarius, um, which is traditionally ruled by Saturn, which tends to be a very dry energy or planet. Um, and I think Libra also fits into that category as well. And then the Pitta dosha is the fire dosha, as you said. And Pitta, I think the way that I understand this is that it's ruled by Mars, and that's where that like heat and fire energy comes from. And the people who are Pitta, like you said, tend to have freckles and such. Um, so there's Aries, Leo, Scorpio, and Sagittarius. And then the kapha um, corresponds to earth and water. So it takes in those two elements. And then that would be Taurus, Cancer, and Pisces. So, yeah. Do you want to add anything to that that you know about people, Charisse, or your experience in working with clients? Yeah, I would say that's pretty, pretty right on. Um, you know, there's always, obviously, exceptions, but... Um, yeah, I, it, you, you hit it right on the nose there. And I also, as you were saying that I, I thought back to the beginning and I, I didn't answer this. You asked about how yoga cor correlates to Ayurveda. And I just wanted to add that, um, yoga and Ayurveda are sister sciences. So they're actually meant to be practiced together. So basically your yoga practice should be something that's complementary to your dosha and something that can keep you in balance. Cool. Yeah. Yoga, right? means union? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. So how does that work exactly? Like, do you come up with poses for, you know, poses are like a whole kind of process for people to go through that they can do on a regular basis. That's going to, let's say, tonify their system. Yes, um, I do. So for example, if someone came in and, uh, they're predominantly a Vata type, um, then, and maybe they have a slight Vata imbalance, I would definitely prescribe more of a grounding series. So something maybe where you're staying on the ground the whole time and, and doing something like Chandra Namaskar, which is moon salutations. So, um, keeping it very grounding and very, um, very slow. So more of a restorative type, uh, approach and depending on how much time the person has, I would keep something short, you know, maybe just doing anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes of yoga or obviously up to an hour, an hour and a half is great. But I realize people don't have that much time every single day. Oh, did I lose no. you guys? Hello. Oh, no. Did we lose each other? <laughs> oh, no. 
I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay. I was on mute. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. That's okay. Cool. Um, go ahead, so, Eugenia. Well, yeah, I have a question. So uh, just trying to bring this into then the astrology, like Danny said, when we look at the Western astrology, we consider the first house ascendant uh, a lot to do with the personality um, and the appearance. And so when you're working on, you know, obviously you said you ask a number of questions, but you take the the kind of superficial, you know, identity into consideration for the type that this person will exhibit. So you have a Gemini rising. I have a Gemini rising, in fact. So what type uh, is yours? And I'm just curious if we can somehow link this into astrology uh, and see if how this kind of resonates in your chart um, and maybe all of our charts to see maybe how we can really bridge these two practices together. Yeah. Um, uh, it makes sense that I have a rising in Gemini because I am, I, I am predominantly Vata. So that okay. there's the air for you. So, okay. um, that makes sense. And I, I definitely recommend that for all my clients to know more about their astrological sign and their chart, mm. just because it can help them in ways that, you know, nobody else can help them because this kind of represents something they're going through that nobody else will really know except for astrology. And sometimes it can have to do with their karma, obviously, as well. And so in Ayurveda, one of the things you do after you get your chart is there are certain stones. And, I, and is this also in Western um, astrology where you're prescribed certain stones to actually have touching your skin to help with some of the things that are going on astrologically? Hmm. It's not a common practice, but I've heard people use it. And I've also heard people incorporate, you know, essential oils and flower essences in with astrology. I mean, there's so much you can do to kind of tailor um, a healing path for someone based on what shows up in their chart to kind of balance out okay. the energies that are there for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So Eugenia, since you're a Gemini ascendant, you know, maybe you, you can speak to that a little bit. Well, I have, uh, I'm a Gemini ascendant and then I'm an Aquarius. So that's two air signs. Uh, I've got some stuff in Libra as well. Uh, I have the, the earthy moon. So my moon is in Taurus. And what's really interesting, um, looking at your chart is that you have quite a few. So you have that Gemini rising, which is an air, but you also have Pluto and Mars and Mercury and Venus all in air as well. And so you do have quite a bit of air in your chart. Um, I do as well. Of course, I don't know what I am. I've, I think I've taken some tests here or there, but I've never been consulted professionally. Uh, so I'm just curious, you know, I've got quite a bit of air and some earth and so do you, Sharice. And so I'm curious, do you, is that how it shows up for you with the Ayurveda? Is it, um, yeah, do, it's, do it's, you see the earth element there? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, there is quite a few traits of mine that are very, um, earthy that definitely are more on the kapha end in terms of the way I deal with people and the way I remember things and things like that. So it's very interesting how it all plays into that. I'm, I'm actually very fascinated by what you're saying and I want to learn more now of, about it. Right. Um, but, well, but yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. I think something to keep in mind, like, um, when looking at our chart, our 
you know, and this is, this is true for even when I'm doing readings with people is to see kind of the, um, energy distribution between cardinal fixed and mutable signs and fire, air, earth, and water signs. And so, yeah, in your chart, Charisse, there, and you probably can't see this based on what I sent you, the image that I sent you, but there's a little, um, kind of key at the bottom. Uh, I'll, I'll take a screenshot in a minute where you can see how many elements, you know, how many planets you have in each element and you definitely have more air than anything and, and the least of water and fire. Whereas mm -hmm. you, Eugenia, you know, you have definitely the most water, um, and the least earth, the least fire and then air is kind of in between. And I have mostly earth and air. Um, so I'm a dusty human <laughs> and the least <laughs> fire and water. And I, I will say, speaking from my own experience of also understanding my dosha is that I do feel, um, I kind of oscillate between, um, avata dosha and kapha. Um, and then like if I get irritated or like my vata kind of goes kind of wacky or something, it almost like pushes me into a pitta mode where, you know, the anxiety can kind of leak over into a pitta and then it's like, ah, you know. So I wonder if you've experienced that in your work with clients too, like how certain people will um, kind of step into these different doshas and, um, you know, what kind of brings us into those realms and such. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I think that most people that come to see me are definitely having an imbalance of some sort. And sometimes it can be, you know, it always starts with Vata because Vata is the air. So that pushes everything, right? So the Vata can push to the Pitta. And so it can aggravate the Pitta. And then all of a sudden you're just having, you know, outbursts and maybe of rage or just different anger or things that are going on, or you're easily susceptible to certain things because there's so much out of whack. Um, so it's interesting. The Vata always, it always starts with Vata cause that that's what pushes everything, but there's always, there's always different types of imbalances that I'm helping, you know, each client work on. Um, so yeah, and it, it, it all shows up differently too. And it all has to do with the seasons, um, as well. So, you know, we're right now we are in fall and so the Vata can tend to get a little bit out of whack with the wind and everything that's going on. But what we're seeing is from summer, um, some people are starting to have, um, aggravations show up from just too much heat from the summer. So I'm seeing a lot of clients that have like skin rashes or are very itchy because of the summer, their, their excess pitta is kind of showing up now because of the wind and the dryness that's happening right now, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I, I have this like really itchy shoulder. It's so weird. Mm. And I don't know where it came from, but it's been like itching for a couple of weeks. So I can relate with that. Yeah, that's definitely something coming from the change of season. And so I'm, I don't, if you already have something, I, I, I would recommend, uh, you know, it sounds like you're, uh, Danielle, you're probably more of a, a Vata type, um, predominantly. I mm -hmm. mean, I would, I would have to do a session, but I would say that, um, I would definitely be doing self-care like Abhyanga on yourself. 
Um, so using like a sesame or an olive oil because it's a little bit more heating, mm. um, and just using that as a base. And then, you know, um, you could actually order there's I, what I recommend for people, depending on what they're dealing with is, well, right now you'd want to use like a Vata oil to help combat that. So you could, you could get something like on online, like an organic or organic Vata oil, which would actually help and have the herbs in it to help combat what's going on with like a, a skin rash or itchiness. Awesome. What are your presenting symptoms, Eugenia? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't actually have many physical ones at the moment. I've got plenty of emotional ones, um, mostly just fogginess and haziness. Um, but you know, I'm undergoing just an incredibly strong Neptune transit. And I just feel like Neptune is, I think I've mentioned it before, but it's just devouring me right now. And, and that's what I'm actually kind of thinking about you know, you're talking about the seasons, we're talking about the natal chart, but of course, then there's the transiting chart, the progression chart and so on and so forth. And I can't help but think like, you know, what you're saying, Sharice, is this idea that there's that natural temperament that we're born with, but it tends to, to, um, shift and change with the wind. And that's really what the astrology chart does as well with the events of our lives and the experiences of our lives is as we undergo transits, progressions, and so on and so forth, uh, that's what keeps life interesting, <laughs> right? Like we have our temperament, but we keep growing and changing and shifting and adapting to our environment. Um, and it sounds like you do that as well. And I can't help but think about how unfortunate it is that I don't know this for my own practice. And obviously this is when co-treating with other healing professionals can be so powerful uh, because there's an expertise in all these different areas. But it, you know, it's really interesting. It would be interesting as an astrologer, even a Western astrologer to be able to say, okay, you know, it's very fiery right now and this would be the appropriate diet and so on and so forth. I think that would be very, very helpful for clients and really myself, you know, I'm going through a very Neptunian transit, like what should I eat, you know, to kind of keep me on the ground and, and things of that nature. So, um, it's, it's a very inspiring idea to be able to, to link these two, uh, practices and sounds like that there's a lot of potential to do that. Definitely. That's, that's the thing I love about Ayurveda. And I'm, I'm so blessed too, that my husband actually has training in Ayurveda as well. So we're kind mm -hmm. of an Ayurveda household, which is really <laughs> awesome. Like we change things, you know, during the season and we talk to each other just about different things that we can do to help each other. And, you know, we exchange Abhyanga on each other, which is the body oiling that I was talking about, which is so nice. And I do that here too, in LA too, for clients, like depending on what they're going through, I work on them with different oils and I work with the Marma points too, which are the points in the body where everything comes together and the life force is stored. So we want to break that, open that up and, and help, help yourself just be completely thriving. So, um, yeah, I just think, I think it's, it's all encompassing and it's amazing how all these things come together. And, you know, I think trading with, um, with healers like this is, is so powerful. So that's definitely something we should all talk about. Yeah. And I love this idea of aligning with the seasons because I feel yes. like that's something that, of course, astrology works with um, and it brings us in touch with, you know. And so it, I think that there's, like you said, Eugenia, just like so much potential 
in bridging these practices together to have a really holistic approach to living and maintaining our health and, you know, our vitality and all of that. So if you could, you know, I know the fall is basically like vata season and it's airy and whatnot, but if you could take us through kind of like a picture of the year um, with the three doshas and what you, what, what do you and, you know, Adam do for um, each season to kind of adapt and change? And have you noticed a difference in your lifestyle and how you feel given that you've been making these changes? 100%. Um, I think it's, it's so helpful. And especially we have a son as well. And so, you know, obviously when you have a child, it's a little bit harder to keep like daily and seasonal routines, but we do our best and we're trying to introduce him to some of them as well. Um, but being in fall, it's, um, you know, every, everything's shifting now and, and also winter and fall kind of coming together in Los Angeles. It's not too much of a difference here for us in terms of the weather. Um, but it is for other people, but I'm, I'm just going to start with fall. So for fall, you know, when it starts to get a little bit cooler outside and, and windier, you want to, I mean, in Ayurveda, you always, you want to go with, with food that is warm mostly, um, and especially in fall. So I try to tell, um, us as a family and everyone that I'm talking to about Ayurveda, that two of the three meals that you have each day should be cooked or warm just because it's better for your system, your digestion, and it helps to keep things flowing nicely. Um, and you definitely want to be getting to bed at a, at a good time too, just because uh, with everything shifting and, and pretty soon, you know, the, the clock is going to be going back just a little bit. So you want to be, you want to be waking up at a nice hour. So going to bed at least by 10 or 10 30, because what happens is if you, if you go to bed after that time, you're actually pushing yourself into like a second Vata, you know, how people say, Oh, I got a second wind. Well, it really is. You got your second Vata. And so what happens is it makes it even harder to go to sleep. And so this is, this is really bad for the body and the mind. As we know, if we stay up for long periods of time, it's just, it doesn't feel right. Um, so just trying to get to bed at a decent hour is really important. And also shutting off all electronics at least a half an hour before bed will give you a, a really nice sleep and maybe doing that abhyanga that I was talking about for yourself, even if it's just like a five to 15 minute um, body oiling, it just, it feels really nice. And you can even take like a steam shower too, or a hot shower afterwards, or you can sleep with it. If you're one of those adventurous types, you want to put like a towel down and make sure your partner's okay with it if you have a partner, because the, the oil doesn't always smell that great. <laughs> um, so I will, I will move on to winter unless you guys want to interject anything. Well, I just think that sounds so lovely. You know, yeah, just totally. it sounds very ritualistic and ceremonial and really, really nice. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing about Ayurveda. I talked about the seasonal routine, but it's the first thing we deal with is the daily routine. So setting that up for yourself. And that's, that's really important, obviously for any season to have your daily routine. So you know what you're doing on a daily basis in terms of taking care of yourself. Um, so that's something that you want to set up because ultimately, you know, and, 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 everything you do, but in Ayurveda and yoga, you know, you are what you do on a daily basis. So if you're, if you're taking time to do those things, then, you know, you're really setting yourself up for anything that comes your way. Like you guys were talking about in the chart, you know, when, when certain things come up in your life and you're not understanding what's going on, or, or maybe you do because you know, which planet is affecting or, or that, or that kind of a thing. Um, when you have your daily routine, you can kind of keep that 
even mindness. So you're not, you're not ruffled by what's going on, you know, or at least not as much. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so coming into winter, uh, things can get a little bit colder depending on where you live. So, um, one of the things for winter is doing like a heated abhyanga. So heating up your oil before you put it on the body. And so then you're still, you're still doing the abhyanga and you want to also stick to maybe all three meals being warm, depending on what your dosha is. If you, unless you have any imbalances, then obviously I would talk to the person about that, but you really want to stick with the warm food because that'll keep the body warm, keep the mind focused. Um, and then coming into spring, this is when you can start to have a little bit more, a little bit, um, of raw food, just a little bit, not too much. Um, and you can start, uh, to see, uh, possibly some kapha being aggravated depending on where you're living. If it's very, very cold, then in spring you might see that's when people are like, Oh, I want to lose weight. I want to cleanse. So in Ayurveda spring is kind of known as the time to like detox and cleanse. Although you should be doing that for yourself once a month, taking maybe a day where you just do some fresh juices or, or warm soup, depending on the season. But, um, this is the time where you maybe would want to do pancha karma, which is there's several different things that you can do for yourself in Ayurveda, um, that are different healing modalities that can be prescribed for you. But, but spring is, is generally known as the time to cleanse, like within your home, within yourself, within, you know, everything that's going on. And then, um, coming into summer, things get very hot. And so in summer, this is when you can start to incorporate a lot more raw food. Um, you can, you still want to stick to warm depending on what your dosha type is, but you can start having more cooling things. And, you know, in Ayurveda, they still believe in having dairy. So, you know, just making sure it's coming from a good source, but this is a time where you'd want to eat your most dairy in the summer. Um, so it's something to think about and, um, definitely I'm trying to think if for summer, I think that's, I mean, I have so much more, but I don't want to, I'm talking so much. So I'd love for you guys to interject. Well, what I love about this whole process is that it's, it's so like Libra. It's so bringing things into balance, right? Where there's cold, where the external world world is cold and our environment might be cold, like through the winter, the fall and winter, we want to warm ourselves and nourish ourselves. And then in the springtime, you know, it's like this rejuvenation and rebuilding and um, rebirth, you know, and then we detox and cleanse and get rid of whatever we don't, you know, the excess that's built up over the winter or sluggishness or whatever. And then in the summer, you know, to counter the heat outside, we use cooling foods. So it's, it's really interesting because it shows this whole relationship of our physical form and the environment and like how we can really engage with nature in like a whole new way, which is just super inspiring to me. I love it. Yeah. Right. And that's yes. so Sharice, it's so your chart. Um, we didn't really give that information at the intro. Uh, should we give that real quick? Yeah. So people can valuable? look along. Yeah, so what we're looking at is September 3rd, 1976, San Francisco, California, 12.09 a.m. And what we're seeing is a Gemini ascendant at 17 degrees. And from a whole sign house perspective, you know, the the majority or not the majority but there's a lot going on in libra right there's pluto yeah. um juno mars venus mercury very 
Libran, like you were just saying, Danny. And then as we kind of look into, I was like, so where's the Taurus piece of this, right? Because it's so like Ayurveda is so Tauran or Venusian, it feels like, right? It's very body-based, earth-based, um, sensual-based, you know, of the senses healing. And of course you have your South Node, Sharice, in Taurus in the 12th. Perfect. Um, you've got Chiron there and Lilith there, some other asteroids, but you know, and with the North node in, uh, Scorpio in the sixth conjuncting Uranus, it's so right. It's like getting to the healthcare of the senses. It's just, uh, you're really embodying who your charts <laughs> says you should. Uh, it's got that just really nice, be- beautiful juxtaposition of the senses, but then the depth of of them with with Scorpio. And when you see a lot of Scorpio, Taurus, and individuals' charts, I tend to see that these are people who are pretty involved in um, uh, either agriculture or medical. Uh, because for both of those me- me- modalities, they're both sensual, right, uh, whether it be agriculture, the actual food, or in the medical world, the actual body. Uh, but for to be a good medical practitioner or a good uh, gardener, you have to go below the surface. You have to know what lies at the root of, of the issue. And so what you're discussing is is that right is is working on the natural level to get to the deep rooted uh temperament and things of this nature and then like what Danny was saying that balance that harmony of the seasons to the internal world and how it looks like this this type of modality is integrating both of those at any in any given season to keep it balanced and and your chart is all about <laughs> keeping balance and finding the balance and the harmony. It's, it's very uh, telling in your chart. So it's a great example of how this can look. Thank you. I love, I love hearing that. That's, that's awesome. Cause I had never really had my chart explained just so thoroughly like that. So thank you. Oh yeah. Well, there's so much more too. <laughs> yeah. And it's always so interesting, so right? Like you can just see in a chart, you know, I mean, this is, this is where we always kind of return to when we're doing these episodes and like getting to see what people do Mm -hmm. in the world and, and how the chart really confirms your, Um, you know, inner approach to life, your philosophy or your constitution and all that. And, you know, the sixth and the 12th house are really about healing, um, and uh, spirituality, you know, and, and also grounding the present reality like practices and what we do with our day to day and also how we nourish ourselves through our diet. Um, and then how we nourish ourselves through our, you know, mental, spiritual kind of, uh, the ethereal realm through the 12th house. So you're really bridging these two pieces together. And, you know, I think it's such a beautiful, um, this path that you've, you know, found for yourself really works. It makes sense for, um, you know, as a modality for bringing this into the world. So way to go and finding that for yourself, you know, and being able to utilize that as your gift. Thank you. I'm really grateful. I mean, it's, it's amazing how it just, it felt right. I never had to say, Oh, what do I want to do? It just, (laughs) it just, it just felt right. Like it was just a matter of just saying yes to it, if that makes sense. And that's kind of been everything in my life that's been the, you know, it's just 
anything that's just like an automatic yes and just resonates right away. Like just for example, how I met my husband, it was love at first sight. It was like, okay, yeah, we're meant to be together. And we knew we got engaged within two and a half months. It's like, Aww. that's just, that's hmm. kind of how it is. Like someone asked me, how did you become a yoga and Ayurveda therapist? And I just said, I just literally, it just, it just happened. Like it was just meant to be, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, well, you have all these beautiful trines from Jupiter, so I'm not super surprised yeah. to see that. Um, it's like, yay, like sparkles, like just sparkles all over your Aww. chart. So that's really sweet blessing <laughs> to have in this lifetime in terms of, you know, your creative outlets and also romance and, um, and the things that you want to pursue and put energy towards because you do have Mars in the, um, as part of this trine. Um, in the fifth house. So that's really sweet to have that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to, I want to add something too. Um, if you're okay with it, I just wanted to say like the times of day that it's, it's nice to eat for your body just because, um, during each, each hour actually during the day represents different connections to the doshas. And so just to kind of keep people in balance, um, just in general, um, in the morning, it's best to eat between seven and nine a.m. Um, just because that's it's the kapha time of day from like six a.m. to ten a.m. And so the best time to eat, the strongest time, is between seven and nine. It's also the strongest time to do something physical for your body because you, kapha is your your strongest time of day. So that's a great time to get out and connect with nature. Which in Ayurveda, that's number one is you know connecting spirit and nature. So that's the best time of day for that. Um, then coming between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., that's the pitta time of day. So this is the most digestive time of day. So between 12 and 2 is when you want to have a big lunch. Lunch wants to be the biggest meal because that's your biggest time to digest. So your, your body will actually thank you if you're eating your biggest meal then. Um, it's also a great time to be like reading and to taking on like taking on new things with, with clear focus. And then between, um, 2 PM to like 7 PM is Vata time of day. And so, um, you want to have your dinner between five and 7 PM if possible. Um, and you want it to be, you know, not as big as lunchtime. So you don't want dinner to be as big because digesting is one of the hardest things our body can do. And so you want to keep that a smaller meal just so you don't have any issues with sleeping um, and also just, uh, uh, yeah, just definitely taking time to like meditate during those hours. If you have the possibility just to keep yourself calm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it makes, it makes so much sense. That's what I love about these kinds of things. It's like, yeah, of course that makes so much sense. Like, and I notice if I follow a, like a process similar to how you described I do feel the energetic benefits of it, you know, whereas if I'm not in alignment with that natural rhythm, that natural clock, let's say, um, I, I could feel it, you know, I could feel the difference, especially even the sleep piece, like of staying up too late and um, kind of pushing beyond that uh, natural sleep hour. And so it's just so cool how these systems have been created to help us and assist us through this life. It's amazing. It truly is. And it's amazing how it just, it goes back to, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, how people just worked with, you know, the light of the sun, you know, just remembering that like, that is obviously our best time 
And when the moon is out, we should be resting. <laughs> so it's yeah, just kind of makes obvious, sense. right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, it sounds like we're returning to that, you know, or it seems like there's at least some people who are in, you know, this part of our world, you know, who are waking up to ways of doing things that are a little bit more in harmony with the natural world. And it's, you know, just nice that we have people like you and like me and Eugenia to kind of bring that back into our reality so that we can, um, you know, heal as a collective, because obviously everything in our society is completely out of balance now. It's like, why do we keep working into the dark hours? Like, why do we, why don't we change our schedule with the seasons? You know, why don't we adapt to the natural cycles? It's just this constant go, go, go. And then we wonder why people are on antidepressants and, you know, um, drinking all the time or whatever it is that they're doing to self-medicate instead of, um, saying like, oh, what's wrong here? And how can I, how can I get back to the garden? As Joni Mitchell said, <laughs> you love Amen. that quote. I love that quote. I do, I do. I love that too. That's amazing. and yeah. so true. And that's the one thing I always say about Ayurveda too. It's like, we, we never try to stick a bandaid over something. We try to look at that person just as you completely look at someone's chart you know, you completely look at what's going on with that person and that individual versus like prescribing something like just take this and there might be side effects or whatever. And, and trust me, I think Western medicine is great, especially, you know, there's so many acute situations where I'm so thankful for Western medicine, but it's so nice to have Eastern medicine as an opportunity, you know, to just keep in check with everything and just feel connected to the earth. Totally integrated, right? integrated healthcare. Well, and it's, it's so great too, because you, uh, well, the three of us all have Chiron and Taurus and, uh, for, for you to know a little bit more about that tree. So Chiron is an asteroid and, uh, mythologically is the wounded healer. And so wherever we find Chiron in anyone's chart, we can see pretty quickly where an individual has had wounding and then ultimately where an individual will find healing because it is, of course, our wound that becomes our medicine. And so for the three of us, we all have Chiron and Taurus. And, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, but Taurus is the senses. It is the earth. It is everything you can taste, touch, and feel. We celebrate Taurus in the springtime when life is, is blooming, when things, when plants are coming out of the underworld. And, and so we have a generation of people born, I think it's roughly a 10 year period where, uh, I think our generational, generational wound in addition to our personal ones, but generationally, I think we did have too much stimulation. We were overstimulated, overmarketed, and not that children alive today aren't, but we were one of the first generations, I think, slapped in the face as hard as we were with marketing and TV and MTV and so on and so forth. And so we have a generational wound around our senses and being detached from the natural world. And everything we can see in the media right now, I mean, I just, I just, I'm so inspired by Facebook right now for like the first time in my life, because everything that everyone's posting is 
about healing the land. It's about healing the earth. It's about finding our indigenous roots. It's about, you know, you know, bringing the indigenous people back into power in this, uh, in this country. And then hopefully this is going to ripple and trickle into the rest of the world. But I see that our generation who are most of my Facebook friends, we're all about it. We're like, come back to the earth, come back to the earth, back to the earth, enjoying life, which is hard uh, when the media and the technology is pounding you with alternative ideas and messages. And so it's really cool to see just how the three of us sitting on this uh, phone call today are all doing work that is healing, but it's based on nature, right? It's, it's completely based on nature. And I just, I'm just inspired by it. I'm inspired by our generation. I'm inspired by what's going on in the world right now. And, um, I don't know. It's, I think it's kind of an ideal time to have this conversation it matches the charts. So, yeah, it's perfect. I love what you're, you're speaking to. I think it's so right on and, um, so needed and yeah, we're basically kind of like the shepherds of that. Like, let's get yeah. back to this relationship that we have. And absolutely Sharice, I totally feel like Western medicine has its value and it's, um, thank God for, you know, the, the tools and technology that we have for acute situations and crisis situations, but for, you know, kind of like a lifestyle, I feel like these Eastern approaches and, um, ancient practices really just make sense in order to kind of help us get through the day to day, um, and hopefully prevent that need for the crisis to happen. Um, because usually it's, when we burn out and all that stuff that we're going to wind up heading to the hospital for some kind of situation or surgery or disease that we need help with. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I agree with, with what you both are saying. And yeah, I mean, just to give an example of how Western medicine is awesome. I, I, when I had my son, I had, I had to have a C-section. I, I obviously hadn't planned for that. But um, I was really grateful. And just to give you an example, you know, because of my lifestyle and, you know, meditation and Ayurveda and everything that I practice, I was able to remain calm. And I remember my sister-in-law was in the room when I got the news that I was going to have to have a C-section. And she's like, I don't understand. Why aren't you freaking out right now? <laughs> and I just said, because I'm surrendering and I'm grateful that I have this as an opportunity, you know? And so I think it's always just having that daily practice makes you stronger in any kind of situation. It allows you to remain calm, even in a situation that might seem really scary. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. So. You know, it's interesting. Um, my mother is actually, as we speak in the hospital, um, she had to get a, a shoulder surgery thing. And, um, and I said to her, I said, so what else will you be doing for your shoulder? She's like, you know, I just don't believe in what you believe in. I just, I just want to get it fixed, take my pain meds and just move on with my life. And, and I just, you know, not to put down my mother or anything, but there's such a, a speaking of the generations, there's just such a huge gap of belief <laughs> from uh, Western, fully Western medicine ideas, and now this integrative idea. And I do think our generation is the one who is saying it has to be both. You know, I do think there are just so many people in this country, specifically, who truly think the other stuff is. Um, silly. They think it's silly. Mm -hmm. And, 
and it's heartbreaking, you know, um, it, it just, yeah, it's very hard to watch, uh, just a complete dependence on Western medicine and, and to a certain extent, a, a blind faith in doctors in the medical field. And I think that when we can keep bringing out in all the modalities that come from different indigenous roots throughout the world and, 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 and different modern roots throughout the world. I think that's a full bodied system, like you said at the very beginning. And uh, it'll just be really interesting to see how this continues to unfold as it does, of course, become more and more popular. And I would say normal, it's more of the normative of around my friends to, to behave this way. I just wonder what will happen. Like, will we be living longer? Will we be getting all these joints replaced as much as these older generations? And will we, will be, will we, will we be looking at the hospitals and the medical systems as, you know, when we don't look at them as the root core way to heal, what is it going to look like as we age and get older? I've been, I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And, um, again, I think this conversation kind of complements those thoughts I've been having. Yeah. I've been feeling that too. Um, as you know, my husband is a chiropractor and we're both really into healing modalities and health and holism and, and the whole bit and nutrition. And, you know, just to, communicate with other people who have this resistance to or fear of trying alternative practices um, and not trusting the body. I feel like there's a really, there's a huge lack of trust in the physical body. And it's like, this is a miracle. Like the fact that we can, you know, grow from this tiny little cell into a human being and it just happens, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like anything needs to go in there. I mean, let's say, in most cases, right? Sometimes we do IVF or whatever it takes to bring a baby here, but just in the sense of the natural cycle, um, life is a miracle. And like our bodies are so capable of doing, um, and, and healing what needs to be healed. Uh, so it's, you know, if you look at animals too, they kind of just intuitively know what to do when they're sick or, you know, how to heal and how to rest and, I just think that there's so much to learn from um, these different ancient practices where, you know, the times were different and we didn't have reliance on other people for, um, you know, our best interest or so we think with doctors. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think there's an empower right. empowerment piece maybe even with that. Like we give our power away to people instead of like really taking that back. So, you know, I think we're kind of, what you're doing, Cherie, so what we're doing, you know, all types of people who are healers in this world, it's like really helping people kind of revisit that inner healer that exists. And I think that's really Chiron's role in our collective. You know, it was just discovered in 1977, around the same time as the holistic health movement. So it's kind of bringing us into and bridging the worlds of, you know, the practical practical reality, um, and then also the spiritual realm. So really fascinating. I'm glad we're speaking about this. Yes, mm -hmm. me too. I'm, I'm on the same page with you both. And, um, uh, just to get back Eugenia about your mom being in the hospital, I've, I've experienced that a lot with that generation as well. Like, yeah. thank, thankfully my parents are, are pretty open. I'm really lucky in that avenue, but I've, I've heard it a lot from a lot of friends and just in terms of they have no interest in finding out anything that could possibly 
possibly help them. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, it was funny. I had a, a bunch of aunts and uncles come to visit her and they, and my brother and I were there and they, you know, they're getting quite old and they're gray and, you know, they're, they just don't look healthy. And especially when they got together in the same room, you know, these are people I grew up around and I've watched them age and they spent, I don't know, the majority of the conversation talking about all the bones they've been having replaced and, you know, well, I got my back done and then I got this and they just went on and on it, like almost like badges of honor. Well, how many times have you had surgery? And, you know, it was, and, and my brother and I just sat there kind of in complete disgust and distaste a, because like, that's terrifying to think that could happen to us, but B because of the, what feels like an unconsciousness, you know, Danny, you said something about giving away the power and here we are in this hospital and it's just Lexus, you know, at Lexus vehicles driving in and out of the doctor's garage. And all I think is my God, like they are very wealthy. And, you know, I understand that they're cutting open, open skin and they're doing incredible things in those hospitals. Absolutely. But it's just amazing to see the power of Western medicine, right? It's just like incredible wealth and, and power and, and that they have given away their power to it. I think as a generation, you know, I think we're talking about the Leo generation, um, because they do watch TV, they, they are an advertiser's dream because they grew up watching it, believing in it. And here we are. And, and who knows what hospitals will look like when we're in our seventies, I would imagine there's going to be essential oils in hospitals and massage and art therapy and music therapy and, and chiropractic and, and all of these integrative modalities, like a really, kind of robust situation. For example, you know, in India, I'm not sure if you know this, Therese, but when you walk into an ER, you see a doctor and an astrologer. You would never go to a doctor in India and not see an astrologer. Uh, it's part of the, it is part of healthcare. Like how could you leave out nature with a, a, a surgery or whatever it might be? Right. Um, so it, it, it's pretty inspiring to think that, you know, the majority of us are just, you know, full steam ahead, coming back to the earth, our body, to each other, and and what that might look like again when we're seventy. I, I sure as shit do not hope that I am sitting around in a hospital room at seventy, laughing about all the bones I've had to get replaced with, you know, metal prosthetics and shit like that. I really hope I am not that person. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Oh. I hope no, we've I, I don't see you there. I th I see you maybe like in a healing circle and just like yes. meditating maybe. I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> I pray for that absolutely. <laughs> well, anyway, um, I could go off on that tangent for a while, but uh, I, I I don't know. This sounds like a good uh, place to maybe wrap up ish. I don't know. What do you think, Danny? <laughs> yeah, it feels good. And you know, if, if there's anything you want to add Sharice about, yeah. um, you know, what you're offering and, you know, if people want to get in touch with you, do you work with clients outside of LA, that sort of thing? Oh yes, I do. I work with people, um, all through the U S not, not past yet, but I'm open to anybody of course. Um, but yeah, I I've done a Skype consultations. I've also done just consultations over the phone too, depending on the person and their schedule. But, um, the best way to get a hold of me actually is email. So I'll give that out. Um, it's Cherise, C H E R I S E 
yogatherapist at gmail.com. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing with us and sharing your chart and allowing us to just kind of dive into this very rich um, topic. And I think it's really needed right now and um, it's perfect timing. So thanks for being a guest with us here and um, anything else you want to add, Eugenia? No, I'm just, I think this is a really cool conversation and one that could be had even more. I think this is more foundational, but there's a lot more I would love to learn about Ayurveda as a whole and how to merge it with Western astrology, you know, because I think it could be wildly helpful. So hopefully we'll keep having these conversations on the podcast and outside of it as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yay. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks listeners. Uh, uh, this is, you know, by the, by the time we post our next episode, will, will the elections have happened? Do you no, think? Um, I'll post it this week and we'll do another before that. Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, not before the election. It'll be after the election. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> just a little, uh, virtual reality hug and kiss on yes, the cheek yeah. <laughs> that we love you. And, um, may whatever the results be, uh, <laughs> in our highest uh, interests, I hope <laughs> our highest benefits somehow, yeah. some way. Yes, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it all needs to get burned down the way it's getting burnt down t- yeah. to see a change. So it's, it's ultimately very, very good, I think, but it is, it's a high time of stress, I think for a lot of individuals. So, um, go read up on Ayurveda and how to stay calm during during it all, you know? So, um, (laughs) but sending tons of love to all of you um, during this heightened time of human history that we are witnessing and, um, and we love you and we're thinking about all of you and, and uh, yeah, sending love to everyone. Lots of love humans. Lots of love. (laughs) Yeah. Talk to you next time. Bye.